and Sister Sarah Wharton, the first lady of this church. Amen. This church is blessed with a tremendous pastor, a tremendous man of God. Amen. Amen. You know, I said a few times, a few times that preachers are a dime a dozen, but pastors are hard to come by. And Harvest House is blessed with the prince of a man. I promise you that. You are blessed beyond measure. Amen. This man is one of my best friends in the world. Give honor to him. Amen. I know his life. I know his family. They are dedicated, committed. And uh, hang on one second. I'm going to do something, Sister Ben. Hang on one second. I don't want to take up offering. But uh, before we do that, I want to give honor to all the ministry in the house. If you're a minister, I want you to stand. And we want to, I wish we could hear from everybody today. But uh, obviously, we don't have enough time. We want to get Bishop on the floor. Look at all these precious men of God. Amen. Give them a good hand. You can be seated. We appreciate you so much. Now, I want all the ministers from Harvest House to stand. Everybody else, everybody else just go ahead and just sit down where you're at right there. You'll be all right. They're used to that at my church. At our church, we, we do that a lot. Stand there. All the ministers of Harvest House, stand. We, we want to honor you. Amen. Give all these men of God the home ministry. Amen. A good hand. Amen. We give honor to each and every one of the ministry of this church. Everything that's everything that God's doing here. I pray for this church. I pray y'all have revival. I pray for souls. Amen. And I believe God's doing that. Amen. So we're gonna we're gonna receive the offering now. Give honor to everybody for all of you that showed up, helping them celebrate from the front to the back. We love you on your behalf. I, I know they're they're honored that everybody's here. So uh, we appreciate you so much. And I know this family certainly does. This entire church. Give Harvest House a good hand. Go ahead, receive the offering. Remember me, you are me. 
But thank you to you people before we give you a step up tonight. I'm thankful for know he's not here. And I'm going to say this every day for every year we have this the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm thankful for Brother Fuller for letting us leave. Star when we hit. You told me no before. You told me yes. I'm thankful for that. I'm doing that. I'm thankful um, for the people who come. He called us their church. Thank you so much. Amen. Love you, Marvis Ellis. Thank you so much. Amen. Appreciate Star Bethlehem. Brothers Church, Truth Apostolic. God is there for us many times financially. There for bodies to be there to help us out when we were first starting. Yeah, God's been good to us. See Sister Corley back there at the church there in Sturgis. She came many times to our church and helped us out so much. Thank you, Sister Corley, being here tonight to help us celebrate. So I appreciate my family. I'm blessed. My two children are absolutely incredible. Come on, yes. I don't know. I just it'd be hard to do that then. I'm so thankful Bethany come so far. She's just awesome on the piano and she taught people to play other instruments that she didn't even play and I mean just Jake and just done, done such a great job some of you may not know he's been doing a Bible study every week in, in town he's been having one from 15 to 20 at the park what is he young kids running around here that probably don't know how to act in church but we're teaching we're trying our best to teach them we're coming to this Bible study Baptized two of them. God's good. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. Wanted to come here. Take this microphone. Say something. And he told me I didn't have to do this. But I do love y'all and I thank you for everything that you've done for us. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for my husband. He is patient. He is wise. He is everything that I am not. And I thank you for that. Sometimes I'm slow and I drag my feet and she helps push me away. I'm thankful for her. I don't do this without her and my family. Just over here in a second. Something else I want to say. For the last two or three years, we've, the church has been through some stuff. Those who around know we've battled some stuff. We, the devil's attacked our family personally. 
2016, I was glad to see it go away. And, uh, heard Brother Aaron Bound say one time, since some years you're praying, anticipating the new year, and some years you're praying, just wishing that other one would go away, you know. That's how it was. We fought some things. We lost some people we have poured our heart and soul into. We've lost them when they're not here no more. But you know what? They've had an opportunity for truth to be in their lives. Before I get the man of God, before I, I, I just want to say something. And I know there's we have several from Harvest here, House here tonight, several that's not here. And you know how that is if everybody come to church and calls you a pastor, we couldn't have everybody in the church. You know, we wouldn't hold them all. But uh, no certain notice. This is not necessarily for you. Maybe it is, but this is for that enemy in the air out there. The prince of this city. God didn't send us here out in the middle of nowhere to fail. Let's go notice on hell right now. I'm still here. There's still a one bar that was still at church in Marion, Kentucky. There's still been probably over a thousand people that come through these doors that's been preached to at 238. When you born the new birth experience, we baptized nearly a hundred people. There's been over uh, six years, seven years since Thank you. 
When I get over here, I have to say something. You know? So, what in the hell? Bishop Douglas White is on. We talked about it a few times this week. We saw God. He orchestrated everything and, and brought him to, to our lives, my brother, but he gave them to me. He just, I know he prays for me every day. There's times I know, brother, brother Chuck, I have felt his prayers all my life. I love him so much and I'm so thankful. And I don't have to tell him to obey to God. I don't have to tell him to, to do what he feels, but I know he's going to. So again, the good man of God, he hands and comes to I need you to stand to your feet because we've got a few things we've got to do tonight. Not starting like I normally start because something happening in the spirit world around us. I appreciate Brother Daniel Orton, his kind words about me. Uh, I can tell all of you there are devils that you will never have to fight because I fight them before they get here. There's things that you guys deal with that you'll never have to really suffer the impact of because I can be in prayer for any of these gentlemen, Brother Giffen, Brother Michael, or Daniel, and I can be in prayer and not know one solitary thing. And all of a sudden, when I begin to pray for them, or I begin to pray for their church, and I begin to pray for their kids, I feel a quickening in my spirit, and I realize that there's something there that needs God to touch. God's going to do that. In fact, got a few things we're going to take care of right now. There is what I've come to call trans-identification on a spiritual level. Now that's just a fancy way, all that is, it's just a fancy way of saying that there are times I feel in my body what God wants to heal in somebody else's body. I prayed for our dear brother tonight who had pain in his back. As I laid hands on him, I thought that's what I was picking up on. And yet, when I laid hands on him, I began to perceive that he was suffering with his neck. That's what was creating his problems. I can identify with that because I have horrible problems. I dove into a lake when I was a young man and uh, hit the slate bottom. I thought it was deeper than it was. They dared me to dive, and I did. So I've always had a little bit of problem with that. But tonight, as I stood up here in front, right here, my lower back began to pound. No reason. I've never had lower back pain in my whole life. I began to have pain shoot down my leg, my left leg. 
I thought, God, this is crazy. I never had pain in my lower back and hips. But somebody does. And God is here to heal you tonight. Somebody in here suffering with your lower back. I want to see your hand right now. Your lower back. Here, Jesus, look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I've never had a pain in my lower back ever. But God knew that thirteen of you in this building did. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Throw your hands up in the air right now. Begin to pray that God would sweep this house with anointing. Come on and pray that God would sweep this place. All right, when God heals your body, I want you to begin to rejoice. I want you to begin to thank Him. Begin to operate in the Holy Ghost right now. church to pray for my malady. I've gotten word since I've been in the building tonight that a young man, one of the few young people in the second church that I took, in fact, he's the one that was playing the drums. I showed some of you last night. He took the trash out for his parents. They had one of those spray foam insulation sealer, whatever it is. And it was in the trash bag. He threw it in the fire. The thing exploded. He's got shrapnel in his arms. He's got uh, pieces of plastic that went in that's starting to very painful. I need you to pray for him right now. It's in his arms. A little bit on his face. Would you pray to that end? In Jesus' name, I read to you today from the book of Judges, chapter number three. I am 
not anxious to leave you folks because I have enjoyed being with you. I always love being with this particular tribe. And uh, I love it. But I got to confess, I am a little happy that I'm getting on that airplane tomorrow and I'm going back to Mama. I have the most beautiful wife in the world and she loves me and she loves the kingdom but she loves me a little more than she loves the kingdom. And I get to go home be with her. I have just finished. I think we figured it up yesterday. I think we just finished. I just finished 58 services in 54 days. And uh, I may have these bashing good looks, but I'm not as young as I used to be. Use these good looks, it's a burden to bear, but somebody got to bear it, I guess. The Lord has blessed me to bear this thing. I'm doing my best, folks. <laughs> Judges chapter number three. I may go a little old school tonight. I don't know. He's laughing today, Brother Giffen. Brother is supporting and myself. Folks was eating. This Sunday, Pastor Ben and Brother Nathaniel have decided to do a new thing at our church. They've seen it advertised in Baptist churches and Methodist churches. So we're going to have a traditional service at 9.30 in the morning. Then we're going to have a contemporary service at 10.30. So he said, Dad, I need you to take over and do the traditional service. I said, well, what's that considered? He said, Dad, sing just old songs like you say. Okay. He said, then just get up and preach. You know, like an old man preaches, do what you do. I'm thinking, son, I may pull a gift in on him. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm thinking I may get up and sing for about 45 minutes. I gotta be done now. Told him today, I think I'm gonna sing about 45 minutes. Then I'm gonna bear down and I'm gonna preach for about two hours. What are you gonna do in a contemporary Pentecostal service anyway? I don't know the difference between traditional and contemporary. I, I don't know. We used to dance in the spirit. I guess they moonwalk for Jesus. <laughs> Judges chapter number three, verse number 20. And Ehud, or in their language, Ehud, came unto him and he was sitting in a summer parlor which he had for himself alone. And he who said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat and he who put forth his left hand took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into King Eglon's belly. And the haft or the, the shaft of the knife went in after the blade 
and the fat closed upon the blade. Everybody say the fat closed. So that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly and the dirt or the feces begin to come out of his body. Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. Y'all don't mind if I just get a little comfortable to preach tonight, do you? I'm preaching to you today a strange, strange title to begin with. But I got a feeling you're going to pick up on it really quick. I'm preaching from this subject, a prisoner in a room full of doors. A prisoner in a room full of doors. Before you're seated, lift your hands up and ask God to bless this preacher. God bless you, you may be seated. Hope you don't mind me getting a little more mobile because I intend to fight the biggest devil that this area faces. I intend to fight tonight. Before I reach into the pages of your Bible, allow me to reach into the pages of literature for just a short moment. There was a day I uh, found myself lost in literature when I was a young and we didn't have iPads and iPods and, and iPhones and, 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 and I'm ignorant. We didn't have that stuff. We had books and I got caught up. I'd read like they was going out of style and and uh, one of the things that I've noticed is back when they used to write them old books, usually they had some kind of a moral to the story, something they were trying to portray and say. And uh, the story takes place back in a time when kings ruled kingdoms and thrones were passed down to their children. And it was during that era that one of those kings, now an aged man with failing health, decided that he would prepare for the day that he would die. And this king, now at death's door, he decided he was at. He had two sons, and he decided that uh, his firstborn, named Prince Edward, would be the one that would inherit the throne. And that his second child, uh, a prince named Romine, as I recall, he was the one that was going to be the right-hand man of the kingdom. It was the days before his death when he went through great effort to set in order the affairs of the kingdom. And it was his last wish that upon his death, Edward, his firstborn, would become King Edward instead of Prince Edward and succeeding his father to rule and reign over the kingdom. That's exactly what they made plans to do, that being established. He made both of his sons promise uh, that in every case and in every situation they would put the affairs of the kingdom 
as the priority of their life. The kingdom has to come first. Because he said without the kingdom there's no need for a king. When that was established, God help my throat tonight. When that was established, it was with the promise of his sons bearing out that they would do exactly what their daddy asked them to do. That the old king laid his head down and took his very last breath. And at that point, both sons marched into their labors for that particular kingdom. Edward marched there as a king and remained always near, or as it were, a protecting confidant that was close enough to consistently look over Edward's shoulder to make sure that Edward was safe, that Edward was the king, and that the kingdom was still uh, the early days of Prince Edward's reign seemed great to begin with, but soon there arose a unique conflict in the kingdom. It seemed that while Edward was the father's choice to rule and to reign in the kingdom, are you all with me still? While it was the king's choice for his son Edward to rule and to reign in the kingdom, it wasn't long before a glaring fault showed up in Edward's world, and looking back, they said it was there all along, but it only got worse when Edward became comfortable around all of this stuff in the kingdom. Romine felt because of this glaring flaw in Edward, Romine felt the need to help both his brother and follow his father's wishes. And as strange as it seems, I want you to see the story tonight. It seemed that even before Edward was the king, he was given to a great appetite for both food and frivolity. He was given to much foolishness and didn't take a lot of things real serious. And because of that, while he was a very large man before, he took the throne of the kingdom, they said. Once he was coronated king, he seemed to forget the vows that he made to his father about putting the kingdom first and begin to spend his every waking moment at sumptuous feasts and giving himself to carnal entertainments day and night and night and day. To make it simple for this congregation tonight, he got so caught up in the desires of his flesh that he put the things of the kingdom on the back shelf. <laughs> the younger brother Romine watched this and he painfully watched as the kingdom suffered because of the lack of fleshly restraint that his older brother Edward had manifested. It was a very grievous sin for a mean in that he wanted to honor his father's wishes of having Edward to rule and to reign but Romine also wanted to keep his promise to his daddy that he would always and in every situation look out for the best for that kingdom and for that reason a strange plan was conceived in the heart of Romine and in just a short time 
his younger brother gathered together as it were an insurrection and decided that he was going to overthrow the reign of his brother King Edward yet desiring to honor his father's wishes of allowing Edward to rule and to reign Prince Romine did a very strange thing he brought his brother back after that he tried to overthrow the kingdom he captured his brother Edward and he brought him back to the palace but instead of putting him in a prison cell instead of casting him into a dark dungeon you've got to understand he allowed him to stay in the courtyard of the palace in the heart of the kingdom that Edward had so loved it was there he was going to be taken to the courtyard of the palace that his brother Romine, Romine commanded that a special room be built for Edward it was a prison of sorts but it was a very nice place it was a nice room that was built in the middle of the courtyard in fact it's important that you realize that Romine commanded that a beautiful ornate room be built for Edward in the heart of the palace courtyard and the only stipulation that room that ornate room that beautiful room was going to be the jail cell of this man but listen very carefully Romine's only stipulation for the construction of that build that room rather is that that room had to be full of doors there had to be multiple doors on the left multiple doors on the right multiple doors in front of him multiple doors behind him there would be no locks used on these doors all of these doors would be left open all the time there were doors in abundance on every side but the unique part is that every door was built just so that an average sized man could turn sideways and squeeze his way through that was important because now because of the great feasts and the carnal entertainment that had taken its toll on Edward he became so large he was an obese man and he became so large that special doors had to be prepared in the palace and special doors had to be prepared that was wide enough for his girth to fit through he would only go to places that had large entryways, banquet halls that had large open doors on the end but you need to understand today, it was impossible for Edward in his undisciplined condition to fit through the normal doors he was supposed to fit through. You want to watch this now? Because of this, Romine commanded that this special ornate room be built. It was to have comfortable bed in it. It was to have a lot of the luxuries that his brother was accustomed to. But they literally built the room around King Edward because they were going to build it as a room full of doors with 
normal sized boys. The story holds a unique twist at this point because Romine wanted to honor his father's wishes. He told Edward, you can no longer be trusted to put the kingdom first because of your self-centered excesses. When you can control yourself enough that you can fit through these doors, I'll give you back the crown and I'll give you back the scepter. Until then, you've got to remain a prisoner in this kingdom in a room full of doors. Even stranger yet is the fact that several times a day, Prince Romine would have the royal shelves bring carts loaded down with delicacies, all manners of extravagant foods, carts completely loaded down, whole hands and rich cakes in abundance would be brought and slipped through those narrow doors to this captive king, refusing to restrain the appetite of his flesh, meant that he would forever remain a prisoner, partaking of all the pleasantries his carnal desires craved meant that he would be a captive in his great kingdom and it was there in plain view of everything that kingdom had to offer that the one who should have been on the throne sent him bondage to his flesh the one that should have ruled and reigned now sets not by the things he ought to be ruling over the one that should have had the scepter of authority he set shame in the middle of his kingdom because he had too much flesh. Should be noted that just outside that room was a throne. All he had to do was come out and he could have his throne back. Just outside of that room was a scepter. All he had to do was get outside of that room and no mean would have had of authority just outside that room was a crown of majesty all he had to do uh, is to come out of that room full of doors uh, and the crown would be handed to him and he put it back on his head I need the church to understand with me uh, there were no locked doors standing in his way uh, there was no swinging jail cell bars hindering his access uh, there was no dungeon gates that obscured his chances. No, the story bears out that what should have been a king was a prisoner in a room full of doors. Squeeze out one of the multiple doors and the scepter was there. All he had to do was just turn a certain angle and make his way through. And the crown was still there. The authority was still there. But the problem was he would not discipline his flesh to the place that he remained a child of God. Hear me today. I live with the conviction that there are some things that are vital to possess if we're going to have the move of God that God wants us to have. I'll tell this church unequivocally today, if we're going to have revival like God wants it, the church had better stay in love with 
preaching. There's nothing that can do for the heart of a man what preaching can do. The church needs to have a glorified vision. God's not like you. God doesn't have limitations. God can do everything. That's why God said it's not the might and it's not the power but it's by my spirit saith the Lord. We've got to have it. We're going to have the revival that God said we have in the end times. The Holy Ghost was sent me to tell you with conviction that God's church needs preaching. God's church needs vision. But more than all of that, I believe it's high time for a renewed revelation of what God wants to put in our hands. It's fallen my lot tonight to remind God's people you are not some weakling to be bullied by the adversary. You are not a powerless pushover to be abused by hell. You're not a sniveling coward to be kicked around a calamity. If I'm successful in this pulpit tonight, you've got to know you're the flesh of God on this earth today. You're the children of the King of Kings. You're the royal family of the Lord of Lords. Some of you have forgotten today. You need to remember you've been forgiven of your sins. You've been baptized in the only name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved. You've been filled with the Spirit of God. You've been chosen to carry this precious truth. You've been called a God to live a life of separation before this world. You've been empowered with spiritual gifts to do the work of God around you. Come today to refute. In fact, I've come today to rebuke the spirit that wants to crawl around among us and tell us, well, we're fragile and we're frail and we're faltering and we're feeble. I get sick of that spirit that rises up and tries to tell you that you're ineffective, you're insufficient, you're inadequate, you're incomplete. I've come today and let me speak as a man of God. Let me speak as a real New Testament bishop to those that love me and look to these preachers that are here today. It's the word of God, Michael Lord, for you to have revival in Madisonville like you never had. It's the word of God for you to take more back to Lord than you ever lost. Let's have revival. Brother Kipton, it's time. Star needs to explode. It's time. It's time. It's Somebody in here tonight needs a renewed revelation that in spite of our struggles, we're still the strongest thing on the face of the earth. In spite of your ups and downs, you're still the thing that hell fears most. You're still the bride of Christ, and he's going to protect you. You're still the body of Christ, and he's going to strengthen you. You're still a child of the king, and he's still going to supply you. I wish somebody felt in this house what I feel. I wish somebody felt what I feel right now. around like we're a pathetic pushover. I want to tell you we're not a pushover. We're a 
ungodly. God sent. God ordained. God anointed force that hell has to reckon with. Matter of fact, I think I'm just going to dwell on that for a minute. While hell wants you to see yourself as a struggling excuse for a saint, I can stand and tell you that hell really don't see you that way. He doesn't see you as a faltering, failing, disaster in a pew. He sees you. Hell sees you. In spite of your every trial and your every test, he still sees a danger in you because you're still in this house. In spite of his best shot, you're still worshiping. In spite of his best trial, you're still working. You're still holding true. You still have your strength. You're still preaching this message. You think what I'm convinced about here tonight, Brother Hart? I don't think that this is. Let me just preach to all three of these churches right now. I don't think that this is a live to see in church that says, you preach what you want to preach and we'll just live what we want to live. I don't believe that this is an Ephesian church that's lost its first love. I don't believe that you're a Pergamus church that's allowed false doctrine to infiltrate the congregation. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe this is a Philadelphia church. There's a Philadelphian spirit in you that says star loves Marion and Marion loves Madison Hill and we're going to have God reminds you tonight that brotherly love that loved the saints. That one that didn't have the divisions and the schisms and the uh, dividing spirits in it. God said, I know thy works in Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 8. He says, Behold, I know thy works. And behold, I've set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it. But thou hast a little strength. And you kept my word. And you've not denied my name. I'm going to give you an open door. And this is what I've come to tell you today. God told those that would hang on to truth and worship. He set before them an open door. And he said, ain't nobody going through that door. Ain't nobody going to shut that on you. Ain't nobody can take it. You believe me to tell you what I tell you? You got anybody that can read the scripture loud and clear for me? I need somebody to get Mark 16, 15 as quick as you can get it. Dear God, every one of you, act like you're afraid. Give me Mark 16 and 15. I want to tell you this is God's kingdom and God had a plan. Son, I want you to get up here. I want you to read it aloud. You can stay right there, but they got to hear you. I want you to see this church. In the last will and testament of Jesus Christ declared these words. Read. And he said unto them, Go Read. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Watch. Preach the gospel to every creature. Doors of ministry. Read. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Yep. But he that believeth not shall be dead. Read. All these signs shall follow them that believe. Yes. In my name they shall cast out devils. 
doors of deliverance. Read. Doors of the supernatural. Doors of authority. Doors of protection. Read. Doors of healing. That's enough. God said, I'm going to set doors in front of my church. Doors of ministry. Doors of deliverance. Doors of the supernatural. Doors of Doors of protection, doors of authority, doors of healing. And God said, No man can shut it. Hell on its best day can't stop you. If you want to go through that door, trials in your darkest hour can't stop you. If you want to get through that door, sickness in its most painful moment can't stop you. If you want to go through the door of healing, danger can't stop you. If you want doors of protection, rebellion can't stop you. If you want to go through doors of authority, demons can't stop you. If you want to go through doors of deliverance, sin can't stop you. If you want to go through doors of salvation, but you need to know that what rebellion. And sin come on, come on. and demons and trials can't do. We've got the frightening ability to do it to ourselves. If you are saw the well to realize today there's a reason why the adversary appeals to your flesh. Sit down for just a minute. Let me preach. There's a reason hell spreads a table before this generation with all the delicacies of sin and the sumptuous feasts of the flesh that it takes to stop the unstoppable church of God. I've come to tell you, Paul even said, for I am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor any other creature. He said, I'm convinced that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. But in that whole litany of things that he said the one thing Paul left out was himself because Paul understood there's a lot of doors God's got before me there ain't a devil in hell that can stop me from going through that door I need to preach to somebody here right now there ain't a devil in hell can stop some of you that want to be used to God there's not a slimy, slew-footed devil. There ain't a fork-tongued spirit anywhere on the face of this earth that can stop you. If you want to be able to pray for people and see them healed, if you want to be anointed, that's your door. That's your door. Absolutely nothing. Set the door, Brother Hendrickson, in front of us. But it is entirely possible for us to allow our flesh to become so big and so important. It's entirely impossible for us to let fleshly things like comfort become huge. Fleshly things like selfishness become huge. Selfish things, fleshly things like pride become huge. And I'm telling you, if you're ever going to be used to God, you've got to fit through the door. You've got to fit through the door. 
Now that I think about it. Now that I think about it. It was the word of God that said. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. Because it's tight. There's some things you just can't do. If you're going to be used to God. There's something. Rich young ruler. You want to know how to be used to God? Sell that that has to give to the poor. And come and follow me. And when he said it's easier. For a camel to push through the eye of a needle. He was trying to say. When you've got too much flesh. There's some places of anointing you can't get to. When you've got too much pride. There's some parts of anointing. You can't touch. I don't care how bad you want to preach. I don't care. I don't care how bad you want to preach. I don't care how bad you want to call yourself a pastor. If your flesh is out of control, you'll never reach it. You'll never touch it. You'll never make it. No, the flesh is out of control. Instead of being a royal child of God, you become a prisoner. A room full of doors. There's not a doubt in my mind. This is going to tell you, Brother Orton, why God told me to preach this tonight. Because I sat in that hotel room this morning praying. And I said, God, if they were preaching my anniversary service, what would I want my people to hear? What would I want my people to perceive? 12 years. Government has been fulfilled now. The government of the church has been established now. We've been here 12 years. So what do you need? Let me tell you what he needs. He needs some of you to get your flesh under control so that you can be used of God. Get your carnality under control so that you can do something for the kingdom. Now, let me just take a moment and make this official disclaimer. I'm going to make the official disclaimer today. For all you probates that are broke, busted, and disgusted spiritually, this next statement is not for you. It's for those that are sitting around you that are saying, I just need to get through that door. I got it. There's not a doubt in my mind that God's trying to take some of you in this building to places that you've never been in the spirit before. But you need to know if you're going to make that journey, you can't feast on carnality and have dominion. You can't put the kingdom of God in second place and expect God's best. You can't go to places you shouldn't go and expect God's protection. You can't cater to your flesh and expect God to answer your prayer. You can't look for the negative in everything and still expect healing. Well, what? I need a time. I need this. I need that. Now, what you need to do is get your flesh under control. You all right, right now? You don't need a chance. You don't need somebody to sanction you. What you need is you need to get your flesh under control. You are a prisoner in a room full of doors. <laughs> 
God time for you to realize that Satan cannot shut one door that God has set before you. But it is absolutely possible for you to make your flesh so big that you become a prisoner in a room full of doors. I want to tell you, if you're given to pride, flesh, the works of the flesh is what the Bible says. If you're given to pride, you don't have to worry about healing. If you're given to arrogance, you don't have to worry about God exalting you. If you're given to insubordination and a lack of submission, you never have to worry about God giving you authority. You're just going to be a prisoner in a room full of doors. Just the center. Just set. Oh dear God, y'all are in so much trouble. I didn't even start my watch tonight. Just as surely as King Edward sat right in the middle of that palace courtyard and his undisciplined flesh kept him just out of reach of the throne, just out of reach of the scepter, just out of reach of the crown. You can sit here in the middle of God's kingdom and if you leave your flesh undisciplined, you can always reach out just far enough, but you can't touch authority. You can't touch the supernatural. You can't touch the I'm going to tell you where some of you are tonight in the spirit world there's some of you squeezing trying to get through the door you can't get out until you get your flesh disciplined Oh, yeah. I know you want to be used to God. Sure, you have a desire to be effective for the kingdom. Absolutely. You have big hopes and dreams. But your hopes and dreams don't amount to spit on a real man of God. So take a handkerchief. If you're locked into a room full of open doors, you need to understand God has set before us a multitude of open doors. And I refuse to be a prisoner. Never down in. Told you I may just go old school tonight. <laughs> I just preached a meeting in another state. When I preached that meeting, every night God began to jerk the heartbeat of that church to a different level. And I noticed that while I'm preaching there, they begin to bring their cigarettes and put them on the altar. They begin to bring alcohol and put on the altar. People begin to come up with worldly music and put it on the altar. They begin to come up and left bags of marijuana on the altar. They came up, left their makeup on the altar. They came in, and I'm telling you, every night we'd have church. Every time they'd leave stuff on that altar, the next service, it was a little higher, and it was a little more powerful, and it was a little more dynamic. You know why? Because when you get flesh out of the way, 
shouted away, you can go farther than you could before. On the last day of that craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. On the last day, I couldn't help but notice every service, the power of God was a little stronger. Flowed a little more and stood in that service. And in one meeting, there were hundreds of CDs and DVDs and videos and magazines that were brought in and left at the altar. And when they threw those things, I didn't even tell them. God help me now. I didn't say a word to him. I want to tell you when you're hungry for God, he'll convict you of sin. He'll convict you of carnality. Oh, brother, what you don't understand. I believe in the grace of God, so do we. But the Bible said, now the grace of God which has appeared to every man teaches us to deny of God in us. If it's real grace, seen in my entire life. I'm seeing people willingly throwing off things and seeing the power of God honor their sacrifices by pouring out new dimensions of their spirit. Let me tell you the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Meth head was an addict from the time she was 12 years old. Now she's one of the lead prayer warriors in my church. Being used in the gifts of the spirit, prophecy flows through her. She's an incredible Bible study teacher. How did it happen, Brother White? I'll tell you how. She came to me and said, I just she came to me and said, I'm just feeling like I need to get this television out of my home. I think I need to put some distance between me and the world. And when she did, God said, come on, come on, the door's open, the door's open. You hear me now? Over the years, I've seen God call the church back to worship. I've seen seasons where God called the church back to doctrinal preaching. I've seen seasons when God called the church to start loving each other again. I've seen God take whole seasons and bring unity to churches and congregations and fellowships. But I'm watching with my own eyes now as God is calling this generation back to separation again. God's trying to tell them there are some things wide as the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. If you want to carry all that 
right stuff. You're on the wrong road, but God said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. You just can't fit through some doors with carnality in your I pray for a revelation of separation to come on this church right now. I speak a release of a dimension of anointing that will remind every one of us in this building about the revelation of separation. When you lay your flesh down, you fit through those doors. Is it any wonder that John looked at Jesus and said, my flesh must decrease but he so incredibly few of us so incredibly few of us really want our flesh to decrease is it really necessary to have separation again in our ranks only if you're tired of being a prisoner in a room full of doors Tell you how serious I am about this. The Bible said there was a day that God saw his people in a mess. They were messed up. They were tore up from the floor up. They were a mess. And God whispers in the prophet's ears. He said, hey, I want you to go tell them about this time tomorrow. There's going to be plenty. You're going to be able to buy all the meal you want for one shekel. You go talk, and all of a sudden God whispers in the prophet's ear and said, You go prophesy blessings and prosperity upon my people. You tell them that deliverance is coming. I'm going to bring them out of their struggle. I'm going to bring them out of their heartache. I want you to tell them. The Bible said, The prophet walks out in the middle of God's people and said, That's saying the Lord. About this time tomorrow. You're going to be able to buy anything you want to buy. And God's going to deliver the people of Israel. The Bible said there was a man there upon whose hand the king leaned. Give me a hand, baby. That means every time the king moved, it was this man that was there to pull him up. Watch over him. Every time the king needed something, he was the general. He was the chief of staff. That said, it's my job to make sure that everything's under control. You ever had people like it in your church? It's my job to make sure everything's under control. <laughs> this man made the statement. Brother Giffen, he said, if the windows of heaven were opened up, <laughs> could they sing me? If God just kicked all the doors to heaven wide open, could the people of God really have it? And yet the Bible said that when it happened, the people began to charge, and the man upon whose hand the kingling said, Stop! Flesh is going to control this. Flesh is going to keep this thing reined in. Flesh can't allow us to get too out of control. And the Bible said that when his flesh tried to stop the move of God, he got run over and trampled to death 
and died there that day. My brothers and my sisters, hear me. The doors of heaven are open. Doors of ministry. Doors of anointing. If we're going to have the revival, God wants us God knows. I want you to have revival like you only dreamed about, son. God, you send him the key. You send him the key to this area, Jesus. Be mindful, God, of his kind spirit. I'm asking you, God, to send the blessing. Open up the doors of heaven. Open up the doors of heaven. But you better hear this preacher today. When God starts doing it, you better never read it, Jeff. And say, I gotta let my flesh control us. I can't let this get out of control because you get trampled. Because I've got a feeling Marion's running for revival. They're just waiting to get out those doors. Could it be that is he's running for revival tonight? All they're waiting on is to get out of those doors. Madisonville's running tonight for revival. All they're waiting on. I gotta get my flesh out of the way and make it to those doors. Lift your hands up and begin to pray right now. Believe me tonight, but I'll tell you if God's going to do it for anybody, He's going to do it for us. We're holding on to His name, we still trust in His truth. Where the children of God and the King of glory is ready to be poured out again in this place. And because of that, you cannot afford to be a prisoner in a room full of God. Yeah, you're still in the church. Yeah. You're still around the kingdom. People can see you. But it is not the will of God. You're to be stuck there in a room full of doors. You got any idea what God really wants to do with you, Bubba? You got to get out that door. Honey, if you get some things under control, 
the doors starting. I see in front of you. I think you're a person of influence. I think God can really use you. I think God can really do something supernatural. But we got to get out that door. God's put all these doors in front. I watched you last night come up and stand around the altar. You ain't no bigger than me, dear God. I, I've had haircuts that weigh more than you do. But, but I want you to understand, honey, if God really does what God wants to do with you, you've got to get rid of some of that flesh. You've got to get rid of some of those attitudes. You've got to get rid of some of those sins because there's some doors you can't fit through until you get your flesh under control. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Come on, lift your hands up and pray again. God, pray for restoration. I know y'all think I'm just that big crazy preacher from Texas, but I got news for you, son. God not done with you. God's not through with you. You know, you probably ought to be the dude up here preaching tonight. Instead, I'm sitting here preaching to you. But you know what stands between you and what God wants to do? You gotta get flesh out of the way, Baba. You gotta get flesh completely under control. Because when your flesh is under control, God can do anything. God can touch anything. God can move. Doors, doors of ministry, doors of healing, and doors of deliverance, and doors of protection, and doors of the supernatural, and we are in a room full of doors. I've reached a place, Brother Daniel Orton. I laugh at these people that sit in a church like this and say, I just want God to use me. I just someday he'll, no, no, no. If you want to be used to God, get up. You're in a room full of doors. It's a little hard to crawl out those doors. Suck your belly up and try. Yeah. Yeah, you know how you feel familiar with that. You suck your little attitude up just long enough to say, I think God's dealing with me. You suck your rebellion up just long enough to say, I'll act like I'm submitted. You'll suck. You'll suck your inability to be submitted to spiritual authority up just long enough to say, I love my pastor. I got an idea. Get your flesh under control and let God lead you through doors. Or you're just content to set the room full of doors. You're just Content to be in a room full of doors. Maybe I need to tell you a Bible story today about a king named Eglon. And the greatest description we have of King Eglon simply tells us that he was fat. He was an extremely obese king. His flesh was a factor. The scripture said he was in his summer parlor, which meant 
It was full of windows and full of doors because they wanted the wind to blow through. It was like the place where you had those terraces over your head and it blew through the wind. It was an open type building. Notice with me, the Bible bears out. The doors were all open. Suddenly an enemy come in named David. Here's royalty in a room full of open doors. And the enemy comes in and finds him at ease. And the scripture says, Ehud put forth his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the fat, the flesh, closed in around the weapon. And the scripture said, when he fell dead, Ehud seen all that king's potential was done. So when he did, the Bible said he went out. And he locked the doors upon him because he ain't never going to amount to nothing now. The enemy found him totally relaxed in a room full of doors and smote him until the flesh craved in that killer's weapon. I would to God that some of you in this building would walk doors in your world, doors in your ministry, doors in your being used of God, doors in your ability to witness. I would to God that you want to die. More than you wanted flesh. Come on. Let me tell you why some of you are still not being used of God, still not doing what God wants you to do. The devil's coming every day with cards full of things to appeal to your flesh. Entertainment that appeals to your flesh. Sports that appeals to your flesh. Music that appeals to your flesh. Romances that appeal to your flesh. Fellowship that appeals to your carnal flesh. And you wonder why you can't find the doors. You're a prisoner of a room full of doors. I'm done. I'm finished. But God's not. And God needs some of you to step up out of your seat right now and find a place and tell him, I want my flesh under control. I tell you today, Mary, this place is a room full of doors. Hills me. That place is a room full of doors. Every time I go to Madisonville, it's a room full of doors. You can be anything. You can do anything. You can accomplish anything. But you've got to get your flesh under control. Jesus, Lord, have your way in the church, have your way in the church, have your way in the church. 
you need to be used of God. Come on, the hand of God wants to do something with you. You're in a room full of doors. Come on, pray, pray. You're in a room full of doors. Behold, I set before you an open door. No man, no man can shut it. You have to shut that one on yourself. Oh, 